Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to New City Church outdoors under the stars and the Christmas lights. It's so great to see everyone this evening. We just put up a couple more chairs, and if we need to grab more chairs, we will do our best to do that. But it's awesome to see that chairs are getting filled up. So praise the Lord. There are four right here in the spit zone. If somebody needs one of those four chairs, we promise not to spit on you, though. We finally made it. It is finally Christmas Eve and looking forward to a wonderful time together. We're going to worship together. We're going to open God's Word together. And then uh, afterwards, we're going to fellowship together. We've got a kid's gift exchange we're going to do. We've got some s'mores. We've got some cookies. We've got hot drinks and cold drinks over here for after the service. You're welcome to stay for as short or as long as you would like to. Um, There are men and women's restrooms right over here on the other side of this wall if you need those. And feel free during the service to get up and move around as much as you need to. Um, We're family, so we're glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, we're super glad that you're here. If you're here for the second or third time, great to have you with us. If you're here every week, it's awesome to have you here with us. Uh, My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here at New City. This is Austin. Austin's going to be leading us in worship tonight. Hopefully you have with you a worship sheet that's got the three songs on one side that we're going to sing to open with, and on the back side you'll find the scripture for our sermon tonight, as well as Silent Night that we'll close on at the end of our time together. Uh, Hopefully you also grabbed a sufficient number of candles for all those in your family that you deem qualified to hold fire for our closing element of the service. Um, We're going to sing Silent Night, and some of our uh, youth are going to help light the first candles, and then you can be a good neighbor and light the candle next to you. And at the close of the song, uh, we will blow them out, and then we will put them back in the basket so that we can use them again later and not burn down the barn. Um, Let me uh, share with you a scripture as we focus our hearts on this special Christmas season this evening, and uh, then we're going to sing. So hear the word of the Lord. This is from the New Testament. This is the book of Luke, chapter 1, that tells us a little bit of the story of Jesus and his coming, where The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself took on flesh and came to be among us. It says this in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and let's worship the King of kings who will reign forever and ever. And he 
angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria, in excelsis Deo.
Till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who is resurrecting me. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Father, we thank you for uh, this night. We thank you for uh, the ability to meet tonight and to celebrate um, the birth of your son. Lord, not just that, that Christ died for us, Lord, but he came and he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live so that we could have his righteousness, that he came in the form of a baby, that he came and he experienced life the same way that we've experienced life so that he could not only be our savior, but so that he could be our high priest, so that he could acquaint with our griefs, our sorrows, our pains. And so, Lord, we just thank you for everything that um, the birth, the incarnation of Christ represents. And, Lord, we just thank you for uh, the sweet fellowship we're going to have tonight. We pray that all we say, do, and think honors and glorifies you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, my name is Ben Harris. I'm the pastor at New City Church. It is great to be here with you. Uh, if you're here for the first time, just want to let you know that church normally is not out here, even though we do love it out here. Normally, we are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Bayside High School down on the deep south end of Palm Bay, and we'd love to have you join us even this Sunday if you have the time to join us. We're super glad that you are here and even if it's just for tonight and you're from out of town or you're here with your family, traveled in for Christmas, um, at least for tonight, you are a part of our family and we're so glad to have you here. And uh, if you're just visiting and you're looking for a home church, we would love to have you come and be a part of our family here at New City Church. Um, if you happen to have brought a Bible here Christmas Eve this evening, you can grab it and open to John chapter 11. 
Otherwise, each one of you, hopefully, if you can read it, you have a scripture on the backside of that sheet uh, for our passage that we're going to look at briefly this evening, John chapter 11, and we're going to begin in just a moment by reading verses 17 through 27. We had our first service when COVID broke out some 10 months ago or so. We had our first service after all that began to happen, and we were still trying to figure out which side was up. Um, right here. And so 10 months later, here we are back again. Um, God has been so faithful to us and to our church, uh, to humanity through this crazy time. Um, but it is awesome to be able to be here out in creation and with you celebrating Jesus, celebrating the birth of our Savior this evening. Um, if you have been with us over the last several Sundays, we've been in a Christmas series called I Am which is a reference to Jesus who tells us in many ways in the New Testament that He is the great I Am, which harkens back to the Old Testament, which was the name of God Himself. And so Jesus is constantly telling us in the book of John that He is God and that He has come to earth for us to save us. And so over the last several weeks, we've looked at the different seven I Am statements of Jesus that he makes. And so we looked at Jesus when he said, I am the bread of life. And we looked at the passage where he says, I am the light of the world. We looked at where he says, I am the gate for the sheep. And we looked at the passage last week where he says, I am the good shepherd. He also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And tonight we finish by looking at his statement here in John chapter 11, where he tells us, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. You know, the life-changing importance of that passage is crystal clear for us in 2020, isn't it? That we need true resurrection and that we need true life. And so I just want to give you three observations from this powerful story tonight. The first is that Jesus loves us and He demonstrates that love through power. The second is that Jesus has compassion for us that led him to action. And finally, to just consider the truth of this reality that Jesus is and he brings life, resurrection life. So let's read the passage now and then we'll take a minute and we'll pray together, beginning in verse 17 of John 11. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So Jesus has a powerful, a wonderful friend named Lazarus, and Lazarus got sick, and Lazarus passed away. That is the situation. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, 
Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you are resurrection and that you are life. Father, fill our hearts with joy this evening, even as we praise you for the fact that you have come and that you have come to bring life. We worship you, Lord Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit this evening, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. First and foremost, number one, first application, Jesus came in love and power. Jesus came in love and in power. What we know from this entire chapter, John chapter 11, is that Jesus loved his friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, very deeply. Uh, At the very beginning of the chapter, Mary and Martha send word to Jesus and say, your dear friend whom you love is very sick, and they ask that he would come and deal with this situation. Then two verses later, it will say, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus. And the words that the Bible uses to describe that are um, the Greek words for love, both phileo and agape, that is the brotherly kind of love and the self-sacrificial highest kind of love, that Jesus loved them in both of those ways. Jesus loves his people. It is profoundly simple, and yet it is profoundly important. As children, we learn a song, Jesus loves me, this I know. What? For the Bible tells me so. There is nothing more important and nothing more profound than what our children learn at the very beginning. But as we get older, it's interesting, our interaction with love. If you look at somebody, genuinely look at them and say, Jesus loves you. I want you to know God the Father loves you. Or to even look at them and say, I love you. I care about you. It sort of puts people back a little bit on their heels. It's very disarming to genuinely look at somebody and say, I love you. Or God loves you. Because it's powerful. Because it's important. And because we are in a culture, maybe now more than ever, that is desperately looking for real, substantial, reliable, true dare I say, eternal love, and they are hungry for it, and that is what Jesus has come to do. So if you are in Christ, Jesus loves you. And if you don't know Jesus in that way, the beautiful power of the good news of the Bible is that all you have to do is ask to experience, to receive the love of God through Jesus Christ. You know, and the sisters, when they call out to Jesus, their message is very short. They say, we need help. Our brother is sick. That's really what prayer is, right? You come to God and you say, this is what I I need. This is what's on my heart. And God provides. Better than we can even ask, in fact. And that is exactly what's happening here. And Jesus will fulfill the promise that he has made to this family. And we see this in an interesting way because not only is Jesus loving, he is also powerful. And he shows that power in a way that immediately made them and probably makes us uncomfortable. Jesus loved them, and yet the Scripture tells us a little bit earlier on in this chapter that Jesus waited before He came. It says that once He heard of the news that Lazarus was sick, that He waited two extra days before coming. And by the time our passage this evening picks up, it has now been four days since Lazarus has already passed away. Why? And why would Jesus do that? If you were an ER doctor, or if I was an ER doctor, and you said, I'm extremely ill, I need your help, and I said, okay, I'll be right there in two days, 
I would be guilty of a tremendous amount of malpractice, right? That would make absolutely no sense. And yet Jesus does that and more. There will be times, guys, as believers, when you will be tempted to believe that there's something wrong here. You you will be tempted to believe that it's not true that Jesus both loves me and is powerful. You will feel in your heart or Satan will come with that lie and say, okay, Jesus loves you, but he's not powerful enough to do anything about it. It's not true. Or there will be that moment where you say, okay, yes, I know God is all-powerful, but he does not care about me. It's not true. This passage tells us that Jesus both loves us and is powerful and that he can do something about it. Because here's the difference between your ER doctor and Jesus. One of them loves you enough to have died in your place, right? One of them is powerful enough to conquer sin, Satan, and death and rise from the dead. And one of them created you, created time, and created everything in this universe. And so we can trust Him. Faith means trusting God and His timing when you want to set your own timing. We can get angry at God about His timing. But it's not about when you think that God should come. It is about the fact that he has already come. The reality of Christmas is that Jesus, the Son of God, has already come, and he has executed his plan to save us. So Jesus delays here in order to demonstrate clearly there is no medical explanation. There is no logical explanation. This man, Lazarus, was dead, and Jesus, in love and in power, will raise him to new life. Secondly, Jesus came for compassion. He came for compassion, and it's compassion in his heart that will lead him to action on our behalf. So Jesus first listens to Martha's complaint. Martha says, Jesus, it seems very reasonable, right? Where were you? How could you do this? And and Mary is so upset that she literally will not even come out and talk to Jesus. And I wonder, if we're honest in our own hearts tonight, have you ever been there? Have you been in that place where you go, Jesus, where were you when these things happened to my business? Where were you when these things happened to my career? Where were you when these things happened in my marriage? Where were you when when these things happened with my children, when my health went bad, or literally when somebody in my family, somebody that I cared about, lost their life? Where were you? And I want you to know, first of all, we see a powerful truth in this passage, and that is that Jesus listens Jesus hears you, and Jesus cares. Jesus listens to their grief. Jesus listens to the sisters' pain and their frustration and even their anger at God. Before he does anything to fix it, he listens. And we can see here that they don't fully grasp ultimately what Jesus is able to do and what Jesus has come to do. She says, I know Lazarus will rise again on the last day. Yes, she understands that, but Jesus wants them both to understand something bigger. Jesus has come not only to meet and address our immediate needs. Lazarus is dead, and he is going to raise Lazarus to life, even in this story. But Jesus has also come so that Lazarus and every single one of us, Mary and Martha, may have eternal life in heaven. He cares about and has compassion for the here and now and for the eternal. And so his words give hope when he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And Martha responds, even though she's still coming to understand it, like us, she says, Lord, I believe. 
I believe, I trust you, I believe you are the Christ, the Messiah, same word. I believe that you are the Son of God. And then Jesus' compassion moves him to action. Listen to John 11, this is verses 32 through 36. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, crying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in all the Bible, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Mary falls down at Jesus' feet, overwhelmed with grief, and Jesus cried. Jesus was overwhelmed with grief for her and with her. This is not the only time that Jesus cries. We looked at last week in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus wept and became overwhelmed. It says, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Luke 19, Jesus weeps for the city of Jerusalem who would very soon reject him as Savior, as Creator, and as Lord and would crucify him. But I want you to understand that Jesus is not simply sad. When Jesus weeps, Jesus is angry. It is a holy, it is a righteous anger that drives him. Listen to, this is a powerful word from B.B. Warfield, who was um, a theologian in the early 1900s, and he wrote a a passage about what he, he calls it the emotional life of our Lord. He says this, what John tells us is that Jesus approached the grave of Lazarus in a state not of uncontrollable grief, but of irrepressible anger. He did respond to the human sorrow with quiet and sympathetic tears. Jesus wept. But the emotion which tore at his heart and clamored for utterance was just rage. Jesus hated sin. Jesus hated death. In his anger, he did not sin. In his anger, he was moved to righteousness. In his anger, he was moved to power. His compassion drove him to do something about it because he was the only one who could do anything about death. He was the only one who could bring resurrection and who could bring life, and so he does. And third and finally, Jesus gives us the word and the action, and he shows us, he brings it all together. Third and finally, Jesus came to bring resurrection life. Listen to verses 43 and 44. This is that, the moment, the highlight of the passage. When he had said these things, Jesus He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus in this moment is brought back to life. Jesus lifted his eyes up to heaven. He thanked his Father for always hearing his prayers, and he prayed that those watching this would believe in him. And then he cries out in a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out. You notice he didn't even have to touch Lazarus. The very word of Jesus brings life. There's so much power in the Word of God that simply at a word, this man who is dead comes back to life because Jesus is the great I am. 
He's not half God. He's not sort of God. He's not a good moral teacher. He's not an impressive historical figure. He's alive. He's the great I am. He's God, and he brings resurrection life. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and he is resurrection life. This is the same one who was born in a humble stable and placed in a, in a feeding trough. You've been talking with my kids this week. A manger is not a thing for a baby, right? A manger is a thing for food for an animal. He was born into humble circumstances, and yet he was and is the creator of the world. He brought Lazarus back from the dead, and he can give us eternal life. And so two weeks, you know this? Two weeks after this scene, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. There's going to be another scene. It's going to be the most grotesque, the most unjust, the most vile, horrific death and suffering of all time when the guiltless Son of God, who was announced by angels, willingly would die on a cross for the sins that I have committed the sins that you have committed, the sins that anyone who will believe in him as Savior, he died for their sins. He's going to be crucified by many of the same people who literally were eyewitnesses to Lazarus' resurrection. They didn't believe. They didn't understand. But Jesus was dead three days in a cave, behind a stone, wrapped in a cloth, but then the stone was rolled away. Crazy, right? We talk about Easter and a moment of Christmas, but you can see how they come together. The same angels that lauded him at his birth would come back and would say, he's not here. He's no longer in that tomb. The stone was rolled away by them. He is alive because the plan and the promise from before the foundation of the world has been completed. Jesus' work is finished, and we live with that hope and the promise of resurrection life that God himself came to earth, was born of a virgin, sent for a mission to eternal life, that he himself lived the perfect life and then willingly died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin because he loves us, because he has the power to save us, because in his compassion he was moved to action to save us. Three days later, he rises from the dead. He conquers sin, Satan, and death and brings resurrection life so that all who believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, can have eternal life. So believer, will you continue to trust Him as we move forward in this life? And if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let tonight be the night that you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. I want resurrection life that begins even now. Guys, Merry Christmas. Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come. Amen? Let's take a moment and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that he is the great I am, that he will reign forever and ever that he died on a cross and that he rose again from the dead, giving us eternal life. Lord, thank you for Christmas time where we celebrate that your son came down, 
that in the silence of the night, that in the darkness of our world, that you sent the light of the world down to save us, that in our spiritual hunger, that you sent the bread of life down to feed us eternally, that in our wandering as sheep, Lord, that you sent the good shepherd down who would lead us to green pastures and still waters, that you care for the here and now, Lord, that you are the Savior of the world, that you have called us to eternal life with you. And Father, even as we light candles in a moment, as we sing Silent Night, Lord, let it remind us of the warmth and the beauty and the power of Jesus, the light of the world. And Father, would you fix our hearts on you in a fresh way, Lord? If, if we have come this evening with burdens or frustration or anger, Lord, help us to trust you to bring that very anger and concern and alarm and our fears to you, knowing that you care, knowing that you have the power to care for us. And Father, may we leave this place this evening that we might as Jesus has called us to be, that we might be the light of the world to the rest of the world, that they might see Jesus through us. Lord, we pray all these things in his holy and precious name. Amen. I've got some volunteers who should be spread around the room who have their safety lighters at the ready. Let me invite everyone to stand, and they are going to light one candle at each table, and then you can be a good neighbor and help light your neighbor. Don't rush. Take your time. It's a great song. As we begin to light, we'll dim the lights in the room. We're going to sing Silent Night.
Jesus, the light of the world, amen? Take your torch with you. Take the light of Jesus wherever you go throughout this year, knowing that he is in total control of everything that happens, even life and death. That we worship a good and a faithful God, one who came down to save us. Receive this blessing, and then don't go anywhere because I'm going to give you some instructions for our fellowship time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Be blessed. You can blow out your candle.